which is one of our favorite comic books growing up. Um, I'm Andres. I'm Juan Carlos. And I'm Juan Pablo. Yeah, let's uh, jump into it then. So, again, Calvin and Hobbes are a pretty important part of my childhood because, like, whenever I was bored, I would just pull out these books and read through. We had, like, a like a bunch of these compilations that got very dog-eared and dirty over the years. But it was it was great stuff. And it's, it's weird because, like, as you get older, it doesn't stop being great stuff. Like there's many layers of stuff going on that's entertaining to a eight year old as much as it, as it is to like you know a fifteen year old as much as it is to me now as I was rereading some of these strips uh, going through. Yeah, I mean they're great. I mean I remember being younger and like staying up really late, like midnight type stuff, uh, reading these things. They're really good. Yeah, it was classic. Stamp past your bedtime to read Calvin and Hobbes under the covers. <laughs> it's a good point, Ange. Uh, they do sort of like work at multiple levels, I think. Pretty funny. I do remember being very young and reading Calvin Hobbes. And at the beginning, they were sort of simpler in terms of their content. And I think I understood most of the early ones. But a lot of the later ones I didn't understand. Um, Bill Watterson, the person who created the strip, uh, he started putting in a lot of like his ideas about art and culture and society into the strip. So a lot of that went totally over my head, but it's kind of funny to look back on it. And uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great strip for people of, of all ages. I remember being like younger and like, there would be some lines. I'm like, I don't get this at all. I would ask somebody older and they'd be like, uh, I mean, like they would like try to explain and then it'd be like, just, it's not worth it. You know, and, like some of it's like silly historical references. Like, I don't know, like when I was very young, I, you know, there's one line where he falls off a cliff and Hobbes is like, don't sell the bike shop Orville, right? Which is a clever line if you if you like know the history. But if you're like a very young kid, that just makes no sense. And you go to your older brother and say like, explain this. And they're like, well, I mean, th- that kind of would kill the joke. So they don't really even bother at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think what I like best about it is kind of how like, I've, I've like been growing up, right? So like, I read it when I was really young because I got exposed to it when I was really young, thanks to you guys. And uh, as I've been growing up, I've been understanding more and more. So, like, the jokes start to get funnier and funnier, and it's really great. I love it. So that's sort of what it, like, means to our family. But, like, one of the more interesting things about Calvin Hobbes is, like, the, the, the way it ended, right? Normally these things, when they're so successful, as successful as Calvin Hobbes was they kind of like last a long time and they peter out. But for Calvin Hobbes, it was just like 10 years, which is like a fraction of the time of like, I don't know, like Peanuts or Zits or these some of these other really big uh, beloved strips. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people that was like slightly tragic, it's like it ended so soon. Um, but there's a lot of things to think about there. It's like, hey, we love Calvin Hobbes. It's still a very important thing to us uh, as much as any comic could be right and it's like would that be true if it had continued on another 15 years and the jokes had gone stale and things had petered out probably not you know so he he exited the party at the right time if that makes sense yeah i feel like he really did do the right thing instead of uh like 
I don't know, making movies and stuff and like t-shirts and everything. I think he did the right thing in cutting off early before it got too big. And for like context there, that's the reason why he quit for the most part. I mean, the way he talks about it is the 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 syndicate really wanted to push commercialized products like t-shirts and plush toys and movies and all the like imagine what Garfield is doing right now but for Calvin Hobbes. And for personal and aesthetic reasons, he was like totally against that. He just hated the idea of seeing it all get super commercialized. So he, with every every bit of power he had, he fought against this. And it took like, I think lawsuits even, and it took years and it really wiped him out. And by the end of that fight, he was just so wiped out. He's like, I just can't do this anymore. I got to get out of this business. I got to do something else. So that was a big reason why he quit, I think. And, I mean, that's what I've heard from people, I and I I can definitely see it, but it's just, it's so good. I mean, like, it's so great, and I'm so glad that, you know, if that's the reason why he did it, I'm kind of glad that he did, because honestly, you can just keep on rereading them, and they'll just get funnier and funnier. I, I don't think they really get stale after a while. Yeah, yeah, he definitely, I agree, it was good for the, good for the strip, um, it's also kind of funny because you see some of Bill Wanderson's very, very strong principles coming through, especially later in the strip. So I remember there's one, and often the Sunday comic strips, you know, they're long. They might be like three or four rows. And I guess sometimes the newspapers would cut off the top row. So usually the top row would be sort of a joke within the broader strip that could sort of stand alone. And one of those I remember was that um, Calvin is reading, and it says, it says here, Mark said, religion is the opiate of the masses. What do you think that means? And the TV, there's like a little speech bubble or a thought bubble from the TV. And it says, it means Marx hadn't seen anything yet. So I think, I think he, he definitely had strong feelings about like television and the increasing sort of commercialization of art, uh, which is cool because a comic strip is sort of uniquely placed among kinds of art or like art media i guess to sort of convey his opinions on that yeah and you could tell he really loved the form for itself you know like he he thought there was like a lot of beauty in these old comics and he was like steeped in the lore of the old ones and for him it was like this is something he needed to fight for he felt like this was this was like like you know fight the good fight support these strips and don't let it all get subsumed into this like like one style sort of commercialized like you know blandness i mean I definitely and you know he definitely like he just put in his ideas i think like a lot of times like putting calvin that in the nature and stuff and like like i don't know looking at litter and stuff and being like hey that's terrible and stuff so i think he definitely puts his ideas in there yeah and he seems like a like a good dude you know he likes nature he likes like sort of low-key pure art he doesn't like selling out like he just has very strong principles you know and it, it comes through like there's when I was when I was flipping through this just to like in preparation for this for this podcast I reread some of the old strips I came across one which I remember always confused me when I was a kid and it's just like you know it's like a meta commentary right which of course I had no idea what was going on at the time but it's like it's just four strips where it's just Calvin and Hobbes in the exact same pose like no modifications and Calvin says like talking about how his grandpa said the comics were better years ago when newspapers printed them bigger. And he says, now they're just a bunch of talking heads because there's no space to tell a decent story to show any action. And he says later, uh, people should write to their newspapers and complain. 
And then there's like some throwaway, like lack of a punchline at the end. Right. And of course, I, I, you know, it's like the point is he's saying like, oh, this is stifling. You should all complain to your newspapers and get me some credit here uh, so we can get this going. Um, so, again, he was he was fighting a war and there were not a lot of people on his side. Yeah, I think we've given some cool context here, but I worry that a listener might think Calvin Hobbes is the super preachy or. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Screws comic strip. So maybe we should talk about some of the things that Bill Watterson did so well in that old style. Um, yeah. Things you mentioned, Andrew, sort of the opposite of just having talking heads. He really, I mean, he drew super, super well. And it, it's it, maybe it's a little obvious to say that a good comic strip has has good drawings. But there, there are other good comic strips that sort of don't have as much of a focus on the visual. Peanuts comes to mind. You know, there's some sort of endearing images from peanuts but i think it's more about the you know the sort of like childhood sort of really well captured and and bottled up and uh you know these funny characters with their with their little quirks but calvin and Hobbes is extremely visual strip we had a nice edition that had a lot of commentary by bill watterson himself throughout the or like in the beginning and then uh there were like some footnotes and stuff throughout the throughout the collection and one of the coolest things in that was that he sort of walked us through this like really nice strip and that totally opened my eyes. It was like a Sunday strip. So it was in full color and it was, like I said, three or four rows. And he was sort of describing how he was using space and color in the strip and how he wanted to sort of help the reader through what he was trying to say using the drawings. And so like at one point they sort of reached Calvin Hobbes having this sort of deep conversation and they reach this uh, sort of key moment. And there's a really long block of just like Hobbes walking away from Calvin. And he's like, I put this space in here because this seems like the time when a reader should stop and think a little bit. And so that was super cool, like how the interplay, I guess, between, uh, between the visual and the text. Um, he was a master of that as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes it does come in that like he's really good at drawing, but sometimes what he does so well is that he doesn't put as much into it. Like sometimes, like if you look at the background, it's just like a white thing with maybe like a few specks for like a tree or something. I don't know. I think that's what I've kind of always appreciated that he doesn't always push it so much. Well, yeah, I mean, some of that probably is just like the limitations that he had to put out one of these a day for like, you know, probably 340 days of the year. I don't know what his actual schedule was, right? But like, sure, he had a lot of strips where it was, it was just like, you know, the one person white background, but some of them are just absurd. Like there, there's some dinosaur strips, which he says, I think in that Sunday, Sunday compilation, when Carlos was talking about, like they were like really hard and long to make, but it's like, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rexes in like B12 bombers, like dog fighting in the sky. And it just, it's, it's like really well made and like r- really funny. But it also sort of just like is just is nice. It's like this this six year old boy just having this like really wild imagination. Like there's one where where Calvin is a, like playing with Tinker Toys, and the whole thing is that he's thinks he's a god, and he's like crushing these puny inhabitants and desires sacrifice, right? And the the, the punchline is is like his parents think he's just like being wholesome, but he's you know. But the point is like it's it's just like it's beautiful drawings, you know. It's like it's really cool. Um, so he's 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 good at sort of building that world up and, and making things imaginative. That's true. And I think, I think Poppies was a good point as well, though, that he uses sparsity very well. Like he seems to, 
a lot of the most memorable strips in my mind are Cobb and Hobbs walking outside in the winter or the fall. When there's sort of like a brambly, rough look to the outdoors. And sometimes he just puts like a few trees here and there, some like little patches of grass, but it's a really nice thing. But something else you said, Andrew, uh, jumped out to me, which seems like really the thing we should be talking about, which is that often the most sort of beautiful drawings with big, expansive uh, like landscapes or even spacescapes, right? Like he would draw these, uh, uh, he has a sort of running joke in the strip that Calvin imagines himself as this like intergalactic superhero named Spaceman Spiff. And so these beautiful drawings of like, uh, you know, planets and solar systems and stars sort of stretching out behind Calvin as he flies. And I think all the best visual stuff in Calvin Hobbes is, 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 is typically at the service of the imagination, which is really, I think, at the heart of the strip. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit more. Well, yeah, the imagination is sort of fast and loose here because like the premise of the strip is that this boy has a stuffed tiger but the stuffed tiger is somehow also a real tiger but only when he is with the tiger and nobody else and it's like you know everybody's like oh is Hobbes real and they would I remember in one of these commentary editions we got right he like he always got that question is Hobbes real and he always refused to answer it he'd be like no well I don't know what do you think you know because um, it kind of like is this, this magical in between zone, or like there's some parts where like he's got to be real because like he ties Calvin up, right, and Calvin can't get himself free, or like he carries things for Calvin around, and yet also whenever we see Hobbes in the context of another person, he's always just like a, a normal stuffed animal, like very small and not like his larger tiger tiger self. Um, so it's like. It, it plays a little fast and loose in a way that like, okay, maybe isn't like consistent or rigorous, but it's nice. It's just imaginative, you know? Oh yeah. No, I think that's the point. It's, I think it's supposed to be sort of uh, impossible to pin down. And I think whether Hobbes is real or not is, is like sort of the wrong question. I agree with Bill Waters' move. I mean, obviously he would know better than I do, but I agree with his move there <laughs> not to, uh, not to sort of like, you know, dogmatically define that right because that doesn't that seems yeah. to be to me that the reader who asked that question is is slightly missing the point right um you're right i mean sometimes it's the wrong question right it's the it's like no you're not supposed to you're not supposed to ask it's impolite you know <laughs> yeah 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 but uh but i would contest another thing that you said there andrew which was that hobbs is only real when they're alone i think hobbs is i mean maybe yeah i mean we'd have to discuss this too much but i think hobbs is sort of sort of only real to Calvin, maybe, or, or or maybe better put, only Calvin understands that he's real, right? Because sometimes yeah. Calvin's with his parents and he's talking to Hobbes and he's sort of like carrying on a conversation. But something that Bill Watterson does super, super well is play with the perspective a little bit. So sometimes even in the same strip, um, maybe at the end of the strip, he'll jump to sort of the parents' perspective where they're trying to make sense of their very strange son and they can't really. But of course, it all makes perfect sense for Calvin. It's weird because he's like a very strangely intelligent and mature six-year-old, but also like is a six-year-old. <laughs> so, he's or like, however old he is. Like, I don't know he is. What's seven plus like, six? What, Cobbs what goes seventy-six. <laughs> what? What was the last thing you were saying right at the end? That was actually I was sort of getting right to the end there. Um, but uh, but I think I was saying Bill Watterson does this very well. Like jumps sort of back and forth between different people's perspectives, and I think part of it is sort of. It can be kind of hard to be a kid. I think that's true. And um, 
And you see that in the strip, right? Because sometimes Calvin gets in trouble. I mean, sometimes Calvin gets in trouble because he deserves it. You know, he's, he's sort of badly behaved. But sometimes he gets in trouble because he's uh, doing what's totally right by him, you know, in, in this world that he inhabits. But nobody else really understands that. His teacher doesn't understand it. She gives him a hard time. His parents don't understand it. They give him a hard time. Susie Durkins, the girl down the street who uh, Calvin and Hobbes fight with a lot, she doesn't understand it. She gives it a hard time. So it's sort of, you're sort of sympathetic, you know, even though Calvin, Calvin is kind of a jerk sometimes, you're also sort of sympathetic because, uh, yeah, he's a bit, he's a bit misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, Calvin can get mean. I mean, like, he drops a huge snowball. Like, for one example, he drops a huge snowball on Susie's head. I mean, like. Well, yeah, he's like, he's an immature little kid, right? But it's it's also, like, impossible not to root for him, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, it is impossible. He's great. Not to root he's great. Yeah. He has a mean streak. Are there any are there any strips that you guys found particularly moving? I can think of a few, and I think it might be nice to talk about them. I mean, we, we discussed before the podcast, we don't want to just sort of, like, visual or um, verbally describe these comic strips. I think if you're listening to this, you should definitely go just read a bunch of random strips because they're, they're brilliant, and we won't do them justice. But I think it might be helpful to to maybe sort of talk a little bit about that so that people get a sense of what the strip is about. I can start. I think one of the maybe my favorite Calvin and Hobbes is uh is a great one. It has you have a favorite? Sorry? You have a favorite? You can like single out a favorite? I think so. Um maybe not. I mean, so I, I reread these all this summer. It was pretty nice. I went uh, to the hammock in our backyard and I uh I read there. Um, and there's a lot of, I mean, he was writing them every day for 10 years. He took a sabbatical somewhere in there, but there's a lot of them. Um, but yeah, the one that I, that sort of stands out to me the most, and that really is pretty heartwarming, I think, is, uh, one that doesn't have any words at all. You guys can probably guess the one that I'm thinking. Oh, I know. I know. uh, I love it. So there's no words and you see Calvin at the window. Uh, again, beautifully drawn strip. He's at the window. He's looking outside. He sees the snow falling and he's so excited and he runs to his dad's office. And his dad is at his desk and the papers are piled up and he gives Calvin like this, this look like, come on, ref, like, like sort of his hands are out. It's like, sorry, I just, I can't, you know, and Calvin walks away like so dejected. And then, and this is actually my favorite part of the strip when the dad, uh, he, he looks down at his desk, he looks up at the window and I think he sees Calvin at the window and he looks down at his desk again and he like sort of like. His eyes are a bit, uh, are almost half closed. Like he's, he's like, what am I doing? And then he runs out and Calvin sees him and they're so happy and uh, they have tons of fun outside. And then, and then it cuts to like the end of the day where Calvin's mom is putting him to bed and the dad is working and, and she's sort of uh, holding him so he can give his dad a kiss. So it's really nice with no words. He says, uh, he says so much there. And I think that's sort of like, uh, that captures very well why I think he's a great artist. And there, there, there are cheaper ones too. It's not all like heartwarming and like beautiful moments. It's like there, there's one where I, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I was I was rereading these like just like over the past couple of days. Like this one I saw earlier today. It was uh, it was he was like giving Susie Durkin some some trouble, and they were like in art class. He's like, "What do you draw?" And she drew some like a house with some flowers, and it was a very nice, normal like young like picture. He's like, wow, how plebeian or something like that. He had like, he was just putting her down. Like, that's so stupid. I can't believe you would do something so basic. She's like, oh yeah, what did you draw? 
He's like a squadron of B ones nuking New York. <laughs> you know, like actually made me. I don't know, right? It's 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 like it's not sophisticated, right? But it's it's just it's funny. Um, one yeah. that one that I saw that I can really identify with is one where it's kind of playing through Calvin's day, and it's um, and like he's going through his day and like he's going through math class, he's going through the bully and everything, and then it's like he goes back in bed and his mom's like, "Tomorrow's gonna be another great day," and he's like. Oh, I, I can kind of relate with that because, like, I, go, I wake up, I go to school, I do everything, I get home. I think it sometimes got pretty long. So I can kind of relate with that one. Yeah, that's a poignant one for sure. Um, but you're right, Ange. We shouldn't give the wrong impression here uh, in that respect either. It is, I mean, it's mostly very funny and sort of, it's not super highbrow or, or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, no. What we're mainly talking about is the Sunday ones, which are longer. So it gives him more time to... Time to uh, go deeper into philosophy, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not even like those that he gets super deep. It's like most of them are just like he has more room to explore the pictures and and build up more of story, right? But it doesn't mean that it's necessarily like always deeper. Like most of these are just like, you know, it's a comic strip and he he's nice. But like within all these sort of like lighthearted moments, there's kind of like these themes that keep on coming up, you know? And even some that are just like, you know, like not jokes at all. They're just like, you know, deep like there's one where you know he sees this 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 new condo that they tore down the forest to build it up and calvin is actually distraught he's like like it's like animals can't afford condos but it's like you know this the, the kid cares about nature and he he really feels for it so like you have these deeper moments and you have a lot more just normal comics where there's just fun jokes um and then themes which sort of get pulled out over time there's yeah. some themes you gets like sucked into different worlds type thing. Like when, like for example, when everything goes abstract or when everything like starts to lose and goes into the second dimension or something. Oh yeah, um, that was like that was him playing games with the art because like again he he loved art and he loved like exploring the medium of comics. I think is the one of the ways he would have described it. So for him, it was like really fun to experiment with different shaped panels and like like changing the way that they're all arranged to sort of guide the the viewer around and get them to pause at the right times and like look deeper at the right times and there was but but this specifically was he just sort of wanted to draw like some cubist weird perspective comic um and there was some joke at the end about like trying to look at things from somebody else's perspective but it was just also him playing around with the idea of making a cubist calvin and hobbes for for a strip yeah, and that is actually why I think one of the reasons he stopped Calvin Hobbes, one of, some of the reasons we discussed, like the commercialization and sort of wanting to go out on top, which I think we all agree he did. I mean, the strip is so, so, so good, so consistently, right up until the the, the very last strip, which I think was the last day of, of 1995. Um, so he did go out on top. But the other thing is that he, uh, I read this, he wanted to try painting. He really loved art, obviously, as we discussed, and it was sort of coming through in his comic, but he wanted to try a different thing. And he says it's pretty um, uh, endearing, I think. Maybe maybe not endearing, but uh, but self-effacing, and I think sort of in a, in a, in a nice way. He writes in, in one of these sort of introductions that, um, that I read. He's like, a lot of people have asked me why I would give up something that I'm pretty good at, which is pretty humble because, you know, he had this great love comic script. Uh, that I'm pretty good at and that I can make money sort of doing for something that I don't know if I'm very good at and something I don't know that I'll be able to make money doing, which is painting. Uh, 
but I guess he just, yeah, he wanted to sort of move on to the next thing that he loved. So it's cool to see sort of how the strip changes over 10 years. I mean, 10 years is a, is a long time. And uh, as we discussed, like the art gets a lot more sophisticated uh, and the themes do as well. And the jokes are better, you know, like the early ones they're he's kind of like figuring out who his characters are and what's going on. But they, he just gets a lot funnier even towards the end. Or like there were ones that even now I read and it made me sort of like, like, like guffaw or something. You know, just be like, ho, 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 or something. Uh, which seems almost stupid, but like, hey, they're good. No, they're super they're good. good. Right. And you're right. He, had to, he took some time to sort of find his voice. I think in particular, he took some time to really flesh out the characters. I mean, if you read very, very, very early Calvin Hobbes, like from the first three months, it can be a little hard actually to see Calvin and to see Hobbes. And there, and to a lesser extent, to see his mom and his dad, who are very much second tier characters, but not not totally insignificant. Um, and uh, I mean, if you fast forward a couple of years, they have like very well developed personalities, I think. And uh, you feel it's very easy to feel sort of affection for Calvin and for Hobbes in particular. Um, so that took him some time. Another thing that's interesting, I wanted to ask you guys this. So he, the idea of naming these characters Calvin and Hobbes was after, uh, after the philosophers, I guess, or John Calvin, the preacher, I guess, and, um, and Thomas Hobbes, the philosopher. So I don't know why he chose those names in particular, but I think his, his idea was that he wanted these uh, comic character characters to kick around some, some philosophical ideas. And he did say whenever he wanted them to have sort of a nice long conversation, he would put them in a wagon and send them down a hill. And there are lots of really great Calvin and Hobbes trips where it's just Calvin and Hobbes riding a wagon down the hill and, uh, you know, the scenery is changing behind them. And sometimes the scenery is changing in a way that makes sense given the direction that their conversation is taking. And they're talking about kind of deep things. Um, but what's funny to me is that there doesn't seem like that much philosophizing in the early years. So, I want to ask, I mean, do you guys see some philosophy early on or, or do you think it sort of emerges later and he was just sort of finding his voice? What do you, I, I mean, what do you make of the strip's development in this regard? Um, I think uh, he definitely, it comes in later and he's trying to find his voice. I think that's what it is because I, I think when you're starting something up, you don't want to start off like at your highest point. You want to you wanna start off low and then kind of see where you are and then and then speak up. So I think that's what he was trying to do. And that, I, I mean, you're, I don't know if that's necessarily true, Wumpy. I mean, I feel like a lot of this is like it's 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 its own thing. He just got better over time, you know. Um, I mean, maybe he had this grand ten year plan of like this is how I'll develop the strip over time. I think it's probably more he was just like he figured out whose characters were, he figured out like how he wanted to make these jokes and how he wanted to carry the strip, um, and it could be he just got better at it over time. And he was he was always good, right? Like even at its even at its sort of worst if i can say that early on it was still a good strip like very much like at the high tier of like normal comic strips right and it just sort of like attended this god tier status of like oh my gosh calvin and Hobbes, like the best ever um i don't don't think it's the beginning is even that bad yeah it's not it's not it's just it's definitely like the the later the, the later ones are what make it so special and it's why we're talking about it even you know 25 years after it was after it stopped getting getting published i mean i i was reading this thing for like since i was six years old and it never gets old every time i open up a calvin Hobbes, it's just it's so great that's the thing it's so great 
was going to say another funny thing about Calvin and Hobbes for us in particular. Maybe this takes us far afield. So if it does, you should just say your point, Andrew, and we can run with that. But another thing it seems it strikes me now when you mentioned Quampy that you read it at the age of six is that I think a lot of us in our family we fell in love with reading because we read Calvin and Hobbes, um, which was pretty brilliant of mom and dad when you think about it because uh, comic strips are sort of a great gateway drug. I mean, you can consume comic strips for hours. Not as tiring as reading just plain text. And when we're young, that was uh, that definitely sort of bridged the gap for me, at least, and I think for you guys as well, as far as I remember. At least for you, Quampy, I remember seeing you sort of. That was the first time you were really reading a lot. Was when you were reading Calvin Hobbes. I still remember, like uh, you being you being in the other side of the room and me going under the bed, turning on my little light and reading Calvin Hobbes literally for hours. For hours. I remember it was great. I like the framing, the the gateway drug to reading. It's like, you know, so much of what makes this interesting to think about is like is Bill Wyerson and like his his personality and his his motivations for all this. And that he decided to end it so early, you know? Um so there's just there's just like, you know, it's it's a it's a cool thing that happened. And it was it was uh, it's definitely worth getting some of these like uh like annotated editions where he writes a little bit about what he was thinking and the fights he was fighting with the, the press just to make it all work. Yeah, it's kind of crazy actually when you read this trip thinking about everything that was going on behind the scenes. Because uh, it was a it was a pretty big, pretty big battle not to get it too commercialized, and that's why I guess we're not see we don't see or at least we're not supposed to see Calvin Hobbes on you know T-shirts and whatever TV shows and you name it. I mean, you still kind of do see see them on t-shirts and like coffee mugs. Um, I I see a few Calvin Hobbes t-shirts and stuff, and you know, I think it's fine, honestly. I, I get why he would fight the battle, but like for t-shirts and stuff, I don't get why that's bad. Maybe I kind of. No, I don't think I don't think he himself is so offended by the t-shirts. I think he was just trying to avoid like a Garfield situation where there's like you know like animated movies and like you know like ads and stuff and i don't know right like there's like garfield is very thoroughly commercialized and that's not like a, like it's not like evil right i think it's totally okay and normal um but like he just decided he didn't want that and it was like a big battle to get people to respect that mm-hmm. yeah i think it, dilu- it dilutes it a bit um this might sound condescending Humpy, and i don't intend it that way at all but I think it might be true that when you're older, you appreciate a little bit more why he would sort of feel this way. I mean, I'm, I'm no, not. I mean, I definitely see it and I can see how it could kind of take away from the comic. But like, I think like having Calvin Hobbes on the t-shirt isn't the worst thing in the world that could happen to like his comic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's reasonable. I mean, like I get why he wouldn't want movies and stuff and stuff like that, but I could definitely say. Uh, a TV show. A t- sorry, not a TV show. Uh, a t-shirt is pretty innocuous and he probably is not super offended if he sees someone wearing a t-shirt um but that's that's how it starts Wampy. you have these t-shirts and next yeah. thing you know you have pet toys and then a tv show and then a movie and then boom before you know it people hate calvin hobbs and it's just yeah. like the butt of jokes the way garfield is sometimes you know i remember being really young and walking into mom's room and being like geez calvin hobbs is so good why don't they make a movie and i was like well, that's the reason why he stopped. And I was like, hey, that kind of makes sense. But like, it, it's kind of taken me some time to realize that and to kind of 
I don't know. I'm not saying come to terms with it because it's not like I'm that addicted to Calvin Hobbes. But. Yeah, so I feel like we're wrapping up a lot of the points we really cared about getting to, right? Um, but, you know, again, this is just great stuff. If you don't have a compilation, one of the collections, just go out and buy it. They're probably not that expensive, and they're just very nice to have around if, you, if you're if you bored and want to leaf through something, right? It's probably better for you than, than Twitter, so... <laughs> go ahead you know knock yourself out we if, i don't know if, if people have more more thoughts to share we can explore that but if not we can sort of round up on a very beautiful point i it's not an original point to me but it's one i heard i was like dang that's that's cool um is that uh you know we everyone spends a lot of time wondering not wondering whether or not hobbs is real asking like okay is hobbs real to calvin is hobbs real to the parents like you know all these things, but the, the the deeper take is that Calvin is only real to Hobbes. I've heard that before. I think it's, <laughs> um, it's nice, though. It's really nice, right? It's like here's here's a six year old boy. He's got you know he's got bullies at school. His parents are kind of a pain. He he just wants to like hang out and watch TV shows on the weekends, right? It's like he has all these stresses, and like really the only person he's like opens up to and is like really himself with is this stuffed tiger. I don't know, Andrew. That might be stretching. I mean, there's some great ones. I mean, if you guys have any collections, I really suggest, like, um, later half of early and, like, early middle. That's, like, kind of my sweet spot. I love that. I I remember reading that sort of section to death. I don't know what your favorite uh, section is, Hunch, but uh, that's mine. I think they get better as they go along, Um, but... They're all good. They're all good. I think if you read, if you're superb. That's the thing. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah, how Calvin interacts with the world and how the imagination can help you deal with a tough world. Um, I don't want to reduce the whole strip to like one corny moral. I don't think that's the point at all. Um, but there does seem to be a lot of that in in the strip, right? Um, I mean, one of you, Andrew Hwampi, you guys, you guys just mentioned. Calvin deals with bullies at school. The bully, the bully Mo, is pretty awful in this trip. I mean, he beats Calvin up, and um, one of the really tough, tough uh, Calvin and Hobbes trips to watch is that uh, is the one where he goes to school and like he's not into sports, and kids tease him because because he's not into sports, and so he he talks to his parents and his dad. His dad is nice about it. He's a good dad, even if he loses his temper sometimes. So I was like, okay, come on, we'll play outside. We'll get you feeling better, and and uh, and you can go back. And he, you can go play sports. So anyway, Calvin goes back to school and he's like, I hate baseball. This is so stupid. And he goes to the yard, and uh, they're dividing up teams. And he goes out to left field, and he's like, way out in left field. That's where his coach told him to play. And then he sees that there's some sort of change happening, but he doesn't really know. Doesn't understand the rules of baseball. Uh, and he's not that interested, and he's distracted, so he doesn't do anything. And then the ball comes towards him, and he runs, and he runs, and he's so nervous, he's so nervous, and he catches the ball, and he's so excited, and he runs in, and he's like, guys, I caught the ball, like, I'm, I'm, I'm great at this, you know? And what happened was that the team switched, so he, 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 he made an out for the, for the opposing team. And the kids, like, double down in their cruelty, and they're, they're horrible. They, they really sort of make him feel like dirt. And it's tough when you're a kid. I think some days you, you leave school and you really do feel like dirt. And uh, and Calvin goes home and he's just like, it was such a crummy day all around. And he's even more dejected and disillusioned about like organized sports. And 
and uh, and the kids at school. And he just goes on a walk with Hobbs and has like a really good conversation. And Hobbs is just like very much there for him. And he's like, sports are so dumb. I wish I were an animal. Like I wouldn't have to deal with any of this. And Hobbs is like, yeah, we're the, we're sort of the superior, the superior. <laughs> um, here. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, there, there's something there. Just the world is kind of tough and it's, it's nice to have a place to your own. And uh, Calvin really fleshes out this like really beautiful, like, like adventurous, uh, colorful and exciting, magical, actually. It's a magical world that he sort of constructs with Hobbes. And, uh, and I think that's like a pretty good way to deal with a tough world. It's awful. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, it's I really mean, actually that, really does get you. And I'm just thinking about that comic and I remember reading that comic. And I remember like just getting, you know, that feeling in your stomach when you feel really bad for someone. Yeah, well, it's like it's like why why is it enjoyable to read? It's because it's just a normal comic with normal jokes, right? But which ones stick with you? Like from these, it's just like those ones every once in a while were just really touching and nice. Um, so it's 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 got like you know it's got like those exactly. very precious moments, but it's also got the the larger collection of just normal jokes and like fun strips that make it overall like a very mm-hmm. just nice thing to read. Punch. You know how you were talking about like what was one of your favorite comics and stuff? I think I could remember probably my favorite comic from Calvin Hobbes. And it's one where they're walking and they, they're holding Hobbes is holding the sled and they're covered in snow. Hobbes is like, wow, that was quite a ride. Yeah. And, and Calvin's like, uh, something or another. And then um, Calvin goes, I've never seen a sled catch fire before. And I every time I read that one, I just lose it. It's the funniest. But yeah, so like in his technique, Watterson's a genius. I think no question about it, artistically and in the and in like the text and the stories and the characters. But the themes of the strip are just universal. I think that's why so many people find it to be such a such an excellent, like a consistently excellent strip. Is that I mean it just captures a lot. It captures Maybe more than anything, maybe more than imagination or maybe more than us against the world. It captures friendship. You know, it's just a great friendship, but also imagination and also, you know, me against the world, which is what it feels like sometimes. And also being a kid, right. And and having to deal with like the, seeing the silly things in the world as actually being silly. And, you know, some of the things, Andrew, you touched on this. Calvin's not so dejected yet that he desensitized to some of the foolish things in the world, right? So Calvin Hobbes will go on a walk in the woods and he'll see a pile of trash. And he'll be like, this is just so dumb and so wrong. <laughs> like, like whoever did this is just like, they should, I don't know, they should go to jail or something. Um, and and he's so right. And I think sometimes we forget that. You know, if I go on the walk in the woods and I see, I see some trash, maybe I don't think that way. Um, so Calvin, you know, as a young person, he brings fresh eyes to, to the world and he sees a lot of, a lot of its uh, a lot of its problems that they should be seen, but yeah, there's a lot. The strip is just so great in so many dimensions. There's definitely a few good ones where he's like, he walks up to his mom and he's like, "Mom, why is it worth like so so much money to do this?" And he lists some like terrible, horrible thing. His mom's like, "Where did you watch that?" And he's like, "Uh, morning cartoons." And she's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I remember you asked us what are our favorite ones. There's one I reread just recently. It was like." He's like, he's like, mom, can I watch the movie? And he's like, she was like, what movie? He's like, he said something absurd, like Vixen Vampire Babe Cheerleaders 3. (laughs) And she's like, Calvin, Calvin's in his room grounded. He's like, she said it wasn't educational enough. And I was like, I bet I would learn a lot watching that. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's about it, I suppose, for what we wanted to talk about. But thanks so much for listening to the Brothers F. We appreciate your time, and uh, yeah, go read comics.